It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Subpoena is the nothing personal word of the day. It's Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. Thank you for stopping what you're doing and giving us 45 minutes of your time and hitting follow on the Apple podcast thumbnail of Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Appreciate that. You can also go to YouTube and see what I'm wearing today just because I'm wearing clothes. Nothing Personal with David Sampson. We have a video part of this show, which is just me talking to Coca and the camera and you. Subpoena, the word of the day, subpoena is when you're compelled to do something by an authority who's got the right to say, hey, you got to be somewhere at a certain time, and we're going to ask you a bunch of questions. You don't have to answer them because you have the right not to incriminate yourself, but we're definitely going to inconvenience you. You can fight the subpoena if you want, but you're going to lose. Daniel Snyder is on his super yacht in the south of France did not want to appear before the House Oversight Committee, which met yesterday. Roger Goodell was sent in his place. But make no mistake, Daniel Snyder has no choice but to appear, whether it's virtually or in person, because he has now been subpoenaed. They didn't want to do that. They would have preferred. It's always preferable. And it's a strategic decision that Daniel Snyder made. He was made aware by his attorneys that there is always the possibility of subpoena. And he said, no problem, I'm not appearing voluntarily unless they do the following 20 things. If they don't do them, then I'm just gonna sit on the yacht and if they wanna subpoena me, they can subpoena me, but we are gonna be ready. Dan Snyder put together a room of people to come up with various statements that were gonna come out during the course of the day, all done in a specific order for a specific reason coordinated with the NFL who had their own statements in a specific order for a specific reason. There was major preparation and legal fees that went in to Roger Goodell's appearance yesterday. Major preparation, legal fees, and PR fees that went into the commander's response to yesterday. I want to break down a couple of things for you. Roger Goodell released a statement before he testified virtually, and it was simply gobbledygook. But what's of note with Roger Goodell, first of all, he looked terrible. He looked like a hostage to me in his virtual setting. But that said, he said when asked, and this is the question that everybody's been waiting for, do you have the power or the desire to remove Daniel Snyder as owner of the Washington Command Skins? And Roger Goodell's response, and this was workshopped somehow. Somehow his lawyers came up with this. Or maybe it was Jerry Jones. Maybe it was Robert Kraft. Or maybe it was the owner of the strip mall. Whatever it was, Roger Goodell's response was, that is not within my authority. Boy, did I smile. Because guess what Roger Goodell did not do? 
he didn't perjure himself. It is very true that the commissioner of baseball does not have the right or the authority to remove an owner as owner of a team. So true. Funny how it seems. Often in time, it's the commissioner who says to the owners, hey, this is what we got to do. I'm starting to get votes. The commissioner is the person who is the consensus builder. He's the person who's out front taking the bullets for owners. He's the person who is juggling all the owners to make sure the league moves forward from a revenue standpoint, from a valuation standpoint. He is the one who spearheads the business operations. And in football, the majority of team revenue comes from the national side, which is spearheaded by the commissioner and the commissioner's office. That's why Roger Goodell makes 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year. The best they could workshop is I don't have the authority. Is that because he didn't want to say in front of the committee that he doesn't have the 24 votes? Or he didn't want to say that we're actually thinking about doing that and we're counting the votes, but we don't want to say we're doing that because we don't want Daniel Snyder to have a head start in any sort of legal action he may take. It's all horse hockey. Daniel Snyder knows very well what the owners are doing. Roger Goodell knows that Danny Snyder knows. The owners know that Roger Goodell knows. The owners know that Snyder knows. Snyder knows the owners know. It is a triangle of knowledge. When you've got that knowledge and you've got a media and the general public who have shows like Nothing Personal and various other shows and articles where it is very clear what is happening to Daniel Snyder, why would Roger Goodell choose, when asked, to respond that he doesn't have the authority? Because guess what Roger Goodell also has that no one's talking about? He has his own legal counsel. When a commissioner meets with an oversight committee, meets with a congressional committee, when a commissioner is deposed in a lawsuit, that commissioner not just has the legal team of the league, they also get their own legal team because they want to make sure their contract, their money, their position is protected. Never give your employer a reason to terminate you for cause. We've done shows about that. Roger Goodell is not gonna give any owner any inkling of any possible chance to say, ooh, you didn't represent our interests well. You're in violation of your contract. You are a runaway, egomaniacal, power-hungry guy, and we wanna get rid of you and put in someone else who we control. Roger doesn't want any talk of that. He wants to make sure when he's asked questions by an oversight committee that he knows exactly what he should be answering and how. So they did workshop it legally, but from a PR standpoint, it was mediocre with a capital M, and that was only the start of the day. As you would imagine, for whatever reason in our country, you've got the left and the right. Everybody's way left or way right, or so they claim they are. I'm not, but they claim they are. And when you're on the way left or way right, you can't listen to what the way left or way right says because you only listen to what you say because you spend your life preaching to the choir. Can I get an amen? That's what these people are doing. The politicians on the committee, they sat there and said, and this is outstanding. 
that this is some sort of ridiculous witch hunt, that we shouldn't be wasting our time. Guess who's talking? It's people on the right. Why are we even talking about any conduct that took place years ago? Have you ever seen a Supreme Court case that's not about something that's from years ago? Cases take years to go through a system. It is years ago because there were investigations, there were memos that had to be written, there were hearings that had to be scheduled. It is the worst excuse in the world when someone says to me, oh, we can't do it that way, or we're not gonna do it that way, or we don't even look at it that way because that was years ago. We can't look at the process for improving our major league team because what you're saying was the problem, that was five years ago. That wasn't this year. Five years ago, we had a problem with our pickoff attempts. Five years ago, we were not good at stealing bases. Last year, we were way better. Well, in that case, we don't have to work on it this spring training. Great, no problem. It's absurd. Think about it. The right side is telling you, hey, let's not even think about this six years ago. How about Daniel Snyder? Daniel Snyder sitting in his, I think he's below deck probably. Well, it's so nice though in con. Maybe he's in a chair. I'm picturing Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. Up come the feds. He offers them Coke. He offers them drinks. He offers them money. And then he says, get off my boat. That's a great scene from Wolf of Wall Street, by the way, with the guy who plays the coach in so many games, who I love as an actor. Coca, you know exactly who I'm talking about. You know exactly who plays the FBI agent in Wolf of Wall Street because he's the coach in all of these different movies. In any case, that was in my head. So Daniel Snyder spends a long time preparing and he tells his people, this is really making me smile. He tells his people, we're going to release a statement and it's going to come from me. That would give shivers down my spine when I ran the Marlins because I didn't love when Jeffrey was making statements because I either wanted them to come from me or the GM or the manager or come from the head of marketing, the head of sales. When an owner makes a statement, that is going to get scrutinized in a different way. That's going to get broken down. And this is obviously, there was no nothing personal back then, but it's going to get broken down in a way that doesn't make me happy if my job is to protect Daniel Snyder. I don't know that Daniel Snyder has anyone around him protecting him. As a matter of fact, I would argue he only has people around enabling him because of the behavior that he engaged in and the way that he had to settle suits and settle problems and fire people and get calendars made and all of the workplace issues. So here's what he said. It is clear the outcome of the House Oversight Committee's investigation into the Washington commanders, wait for it, was predetermined from the beginning. I'm going to stop right there and just tell you, when you ever write a statement that something was predetermined, like the process was over, and that's, I've done that, right? I've done economic studies where I know the final answer before it happens. I've done baseball moves where I know what the response is going to be before it happens. Or I've done something with ticket prices where I know what's going to happen. I mean, there's often times you do something where you have a predetermined outcome. But you don't say that in a statement, especially when it's Congress who's doing the investigating. But anyway, I digress. So he starts with, it was predetermined from the beginning what the outcome was. Next. The committee's decision to release a report and introduce legislation prior to the hearing is proof positive this was always going to be a li little more than a politically charged show trial, not about uncovering the truth. Holy shnikes. 
the committee's decision to release a report, do you think the committee got together and just wrote a report because they gave it to staff members who said, do me a favor and do some Googling if you don't mind, and then write a report, and we're pretty much going to base everything on the report that you're preparing? Don't talk to anyone. I mean, we don't need to ever speak to witnesses or worry about that. Just hurry up with that report. Like the Supreme Court. They do their written opinions. Do they know what they're going to do before oral arguments? You bet your bippy they do. But guess what happens before oral arguments? Written briefs. Back and forth. By both sides in the suit. In the case before the Supreme Court. But in this case, no doubt, the House Oversight Committee knew nothing when they wrote the report. Nothing. All right. Thank you, Dan, for that. What else? Hopefully the committee will utilize its resources going forward for more pressing national matters instead of an issue a football team addressed years ago. Yahtzee, we've got six nines. That's the ultimate Yahtzee, right? We addressed it years ago. Long, long time ago, I remember when we used to be misogynists. We used to have a toxic environment, but now we don't because we hired minorities and a head of diversity, business, and inclusion, and Natanya runs the team and not me. Danny boy, seriously? The reason why the hearing is happening is because they are trying to clean up toxic workplaces, and they're trying to say that NFL teams are not above the law. They're not above reproach, right? And so if they investigate you and they have a head start given the investigation that took place by the NFL against your team, then maybe other companies will act better. Maybe, maybe not, maybe. We're going to do a study. The study is that we have found that fewer people die in car crashes if they wear a seatbelt. We're going to have a hearing about it. We're going to pass a law, and the law is going to say, please wear a seatbelt. If you don't, you may get a ticket. You likely won't. We may use it as a way to pull over minorities. We may do all sorts of things that are unsavory. But at the end of the day, we think that wearing a seatbelt is probably in the best interests of drivers overall. We're going to use as an example people who have died in crashes who weren't wearing seatbelts versus people who were in the same type of crash. It was years ago, but the lesson still stands today. Don't ever use the quote years ago when trying to downplay what you've done as an excuse for what you've done because we all are going to see right through it. So Daniel Snyder wants you to believe that the Washington command skins are A-OK -okay right now. Done. All of that bad stuff was from before. Therefore, poof, everything's good now. We don't deserve to be investigated or punished. We already paid the $10 million to the NFL. We already, I lost the right to run the team day to day. By the way, Roger Goodell, when asked whether Dan Snyder was not running the team day to day, he said, I don't know. He's not supposed to be. We told him not to, but how would I actually know? Roger Goodell, who are you talking to? Here's how you know. Do you speak to Dan Snyder? Do you speak to anyone else who runs the foundations of the other 31 teams? I'm just asking a simple question. How often do you speak to the spouses of your owners? Little chit chat? It's ridiculous.
ridiculous. So then Dan Snyder says, I got an even better idea. You know what we're going to do? We are going, <laughs> this can't be real. Dan Snyder got together during these investigations when the House Oversight Committee was coming. And he said, I've got a plan. I'm going to do a bait and switch here that's going to work. Everyone around me, pay attention. Come in close. My name is E.F. Hutton. You better listen to me. That is a reference that is absolutely going to be lost on a demographic that is so important to me. The 18 to 34s, I love the 34 to 69s. Don't get me wrong. But for the 18 to 34s, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Huh? All right. Come on in. Huddle up. We're going to do our own investigation here on what went on with our team. And we are going to do it in a way that we're going to look at all of our employees' text messages. And we're going to see who they were calling. We're going to find out who's leaking what to who, who's responsible for all of the bad things that were done to women, for all of the lack of minority representation. We're going to call it our shadow investigation. And we're going to get all this information and give it to the NFL. Shh. Don't tell anyone, okay? Don't tell anyone. Can you believe Snyder did that? Listen, I've done some shadow investigations in my time, but it was always to find leaks. That was it. That's when I'm looking at phone records, when I wanted to find leaks. So Daniel Snyder is doing this shadowy stuff. He's coming up with statements, and then he's got his whole group together, and he said, guys and, and girl, I've got one more plan, and this is a doozy. I need you to write a statement that we're going to release, and it's going to be given by Ron Rivera, the guru, the man that we brought in to change the narrative, the guy who runs the entire operation on and off the field. He's involved in our team name and our uniforms, building of our stadium. Ron Rivera, you're not just a coach. You are the number one face of the commanders. So we're going to write it up for you, and then you're going to sign your name to it. And Ron said, man, I cannot, am I, is this better than Carolina? Like, is this really where I want to be? Wait, Coca, was Ron, Snyder, was Ron Rivera in Carolina? Is that true? He was somewhere, wasn't he? Tell me, Coca, I can't hear you. Who was? Okay, good. Thank you. All right, then just leave that in and just cut this conversation. Okay, four, six, nine. Ron Rivera must be thinking to himself, my God, what am I doing? Because he had to hold his nose and release the following statement. With all due respect to the proceedings. Here's a little nugget. When you say with all due respect, don't say that because it means you're not showing respect. That, that's the expression that I've asked you all not to use. To be honest, but da, 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 da. Well, why do you say to be honest? That means if you don't say it every other time, you're not being honest. So get that out of your vocabulary, to be honest. And stop with with all due respect. It's so condescending. With all due respect to the proceedings, I want to clarify a few things. Just start the statement, Dan that you're having Ron sign with, I want to clarify a few things as head coach of this football team. And then Ron Rivera, you know coaches love doing this. They love carrying the owner's dirty water. They love telling everybody how great their owner is, even when the owner stinks or when the owner's a pain in the neck or when they don't like the owner. They know that it's part of their job. It's in their contract. You cannot say anything that disparages the owner, especially when the owner writes the statement. Sentence two. When Dan and Tanya Snyder were in the process of hiring me, they asked me to do two things. Win and help us change our culture. I can't even. 
Remember when they hired Rivera back in 2020, right before COVID came? So it seems like 20 years ago. Ron Rivera stood up and said, it's all over now. I'm here. Football Jesus is in the building. Dan and Tanya Snyder, at that time Dan Snyder, were all good. <laughs> he continued, Ron Rivera did. The Snyders were very deliberate in finding the best person to run the business side, and I was consulted throughout the process. We agreed that Jason Wright was the best person, not because he checked off a box as a minority. Uh-oh. Never say that. Don't ever say in a statement that we hired a black guy not because he was black. Anyway. I'm trying to think how many managers are involved in the GM search. Um, zero. How many managers are involved in the president's search? Wait for it. Zero. How many GMs are involved in the president's search? Hmm. Zero. Ron Rivera was consulted about the hiring of their team president, Jason Wright. G-M-A-B, Ron. What'd you, what'd you peruse resumes? You spoke to the hiring company? He then had to say how he was involved and why Jason Wright was hired. He was hired because of his experience as an NFL player, his education and work, his experience as a partner with McKinsey. Jason has been nothing but exceptional in hiring a talented and diverse group of people to run the business side. Wait a second. Ron, I thought you were involved. You're saying you were only involved in the hiring of Jason and then you let Jason do everything? Interesting. You mean you just coach the team, which is what your job is? So therefore, in the statement, we have to say how good Jason was at hiring all the people because the only person you hired was Jason. I totally get what you're trying to have Ron say, Dan. This makes perfect sense. These investigations into inappropriate workplace issues predates my employment. I cannot change the past, but I would hope that our fans, the NFL, and Congress can see that we are doing everything in our power to never repeat those workplace issues and know that our employees are respected, valued, and can be heard. Okay, Ron, what are you doing next? All right, bring it in, everyone. Huddle up. Now. We have the statement from Rivera. We've got Dan Snyder telling you that this is a bunch of horse hockey that we've been good for years and they should stick to dribbling. Then we've got Ron Rivera doing a statement saying how great Jason Wright is and how everything's good. Now, we need to send a letter to our employees. Ding, ding, ding. Let's send a really long letter telling our employees, hey, don't worry about the media that you're seeing, reading, and hearing. Don't worry about the fact that we are the national butt of jokes, the butt of national jokes, the national butt of jokes, whatever it is. Don't worry because, man, we are a great organization. So guess what Jason Wright, Dan Snyder, and Tanya Snyder did? They released a letter to their employees. This is really good. They all signed it. They had Tanya sign first. That made me laugh. Of course, she's in charge. <laughs> the letter went like this. While we respect the committee's desire to learn more about how workplace culture issues can be addressed, some of the comments in the media that have portrayed our team in a harsh and negative manner does not reflect who we are as an organization today. Hmm. Interesting. I thought 
they don't respect the fact that they're investigating something from years ago. I guess they do respect the desire of the committee to learn about how workplace culture issues can be addressed, but they don't want it to be done with the commanders as the conduit. Ah, I should have figured that out. They then spend the next three pages of the letter telling their employees how many minorities they've hired, listing them, and then giving the results of an employment satisfaction survey. This is one of my favorites. It's really good. Naming all the people they hired, right? <laughs> and then they gave a quote from a, from a various anonymous employee. The direction of leadership is a complete 360 from what has occurred in past years, and it's a noticeable difference, one person told the survey company. It's like family feud, those surveys. Top five answers on the board. What do you love about Dan Snyder? How do you feel the workplace environment is? Do you think it's been different? It's pretty funny, right? Coca, when we were preparing for the show, told me something that made me laugh. Coca's tired. He spent all day yesterday doing some personal stuff after we did the show. We did a couple shows yesterday, actually. One to be released when I am away in a couple weeks in Africa. And uh, he and I were reviewing today's show. And we're talking about this quote from this various employee. Oh, side note, those surveys that you're doing, they tell the employees what to say and they write down the employees' comments for them. And then the person who is commissioning the survey chooses the exact quotes they want to see out there publicly. Just so you know how those surveys work in case there's some misunderstanding. I'm going to teach everyone part of educate that we try to do on nothing personal. Don't ever tell people you've done a 360 and Coca wanted to point this out, and I think about this a lot. Hey, I've done a total 360. I am absolutely where you are now. I used to be on the opposite side, but now I'm where you are. Well, for those of you who are ge 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 geometrically challenged, geometrically challenged, geometrically challenged, a 360 is a complete circle, folks. That means you're right back where you started. So when you say the direction of leadership is a complete 360, that means it's back to being the same misogynistic, racist place it always was. So what you should really say is the leadership has done a complete 180. We were horse crap before, and now we are the citizens to be looked at as the prime perfect example of how to run a per perfect organization. Makes me laugh, this whole thing. So where does this end? This ends with Roger Goodell hunkering down back in New York, talking to owners. And as I said yesterday, they're still figuring out, is there more to come? Is there anything left that we don't know? What is it going to take? When are we going to vote? How are we going to do it? Do we want to do it? Are you worried about doing it? This is conversational. This is going to go on now for not days, not weeks, but this is months down the line. This is a evolving situation. But as you can see from Dan Snyder and all the statements that he released and had written, they are in unbelievable duck and cover mode. They are being crushed like Mike Tyson in a Buster Douglas fight. They have their hands over their head in a way that will protect them from getting killed. Or will it? We will find out. 
we come back, we're going to review one of the most interesting movies I've seen. We're going to talk about a couple things in baseball. The Cubs did something yesterday that we do not often see in sports, and it was a truth-telling session. Or was it? We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. How are you? The Commanders have been a fountain of content. Thank you so much for rating, reviewing, following. Hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts, please, if you're listening on Apple. Watch a movie every day. Every day. I've, I have a backlog of movies that I need to get to, which I haven't gotten to. But I saw one that was released. Uh, it's a new movie called Dinner in America. And I didn't know anything about it. But it looked interesting and it was new. So I paid the $3.99 or $6.99. And it was one of the quirkiest, most interesting movies I'd seen in maybe a decade. This is a major epiphany that I had that there are good movies still being made with people who you don't know. Now, there's one star in the movie who's in one scene. She did her filming in one day and it's Zoe Deutsch's mother, I know her as Leah Thompson. You may know her as Zoe Deutsch's mother. She's in a scene playing a unhappy housewife who ends up having a moment with a unlikely house guest. This house guest is a punk rocker, a pyromaniac, a criminal, but is the cutest, most clever, most interesting character you will see in a movie maybe this year. His love interest is played by not a classic beauty, by an actress who is made to look ordinary, but is actually extraordinary, both on the inside and out. The movie goes through their relationship as it begins, and as they discover this unlikely union could actually be a real prosperous union. It's called Dinner in America. It's got, it's, it's, it's got music. It's got, I know, by the way, Coke, I just figured it out. This is happening right now as my brain is firing on 40% of its synapses. While I'm sitting, my left cheek is a ball of torn, pulled muscles right now. And the pain I'm in while sitting would stagger you. In any case, the one of the co-stars in the movie played the son of Brian Cranston in a movie called Why Him, who was the brother of Zoe Deutsch, who played the girlfriend slash wife of James Franco in Why Him, which is one of the funniest movies you will see. Try to see it before canceling James Franco. It's that good. So the brothers in this movie 
he must have gotten Zoe Deutsch to ask her mother, Leah Thompson, to be a guest star. That is the six degrees of separation that I thought of. Okay. What happened in baseball? There was something that happened in the Jays game that you asked me about, and I wanted to cover it, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. So many of you. Coca, you're going to love this. I bet you there have been several thousand people who have been in touch with us, who have watched Half-Baked for the first time because of So You Want to Talk to Samson. Half-Baked is a movie where there's a character named Samson. It's a phenomenal stoner movie, but you don't have to be stoned to watch it, but it doesn't hurt to be 69, 80th stoned when you watch it. Dave Chappelle's in it. And there is a segment where there are people who are always saying, hey, let's talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson? S-A-M-S-O-N? Get in my Twitter at David P. Samson and ask me a question. I'll try to respond either on the air or via DM. Or if I don't, don't be upset. It's There's only so much obsessive, compulsive behavior I can do during the course of a day. What happened in the Jays-White Sox game with the ejection before the game? Have you ever seen that? He's referring, or she, no hello David there, but hello. I don't even know what name asked this question. In baseball, before a game, it's very bizarre what happens. It's the only sport where the umpires stand at home plate, all four umpires, home plate, and the three base umpires. They come to the plate, they stand around in a huddle, and then all of a sudden, someone comes from each dugout to talk to the umpires, and they do something called the exchange of lineup cards. Very strange. It's a tradition, I guess, totally unnecessary, because the real exchange of lineup cards comes in the clubhouse when a clubby, one of the kids walks into the manager's office and says, here's the other side's lineup. And when your clubby goes to their side and says, here's our lineup. So they exchange lineups. The umpire gets what is known as the official lineup, which is strange to me because the official lineup should not be what the umpire has, though it is. It's, it's like a 200-year-old rule in baseball. Is that a tradition that traditionalists want? I'm just really curious about that. Is that important to you that the umpire controls the lineup? What about the people in the press box? What about the people in the commissioner's office when there's an exchange of lineups? Because as you know, the lineups have to be submitted to the commissioner's office first. That's the official lineup because of all the betting and gambling. So you don't need to actually meet in the middle. But in baseball, they do. The managers walk out in their uniforms. They pull the lineup out of their back pocket. They hand it over. Then there's a little conversation about the ground rules. Here's the home run. Here's foul ball, etc. Play ball. And then they walk back. In the Jays-White Sox game, the Toronto Blue Jays sent out their first base coach. Not the manager. Why would they send out someone other than the manager? Well, sometimes there's an honorary person who gets to bring out the lineup card. So, for example... If you are a pitcher and you have your brother on the other team, you can work with the other team to have the two brothers walk out and exchange lineup cards. If you are have suffered something or had a problem, like remember when, uh, oh, this is when Jim Joyce, this is many years ago, Jim Joyce was an umpire who was the first base umpire in the Galarraga perfect game. And he was not able to, he got the call wrong. There was no replay. And the next day, Galarraga brought the lineup card out 
so he and Joyce could talk, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. So the answer is, it's not always the manager, but it mostly is. Always the hitting coach, not the first base coach. Thank you. So the hitting coach walks out and starts talking to the umpires. Normal. And then he gets ejected. What happened there? The night before, the Toronto Blue Jays were very upset with the home plate umpire, Doug Eddings, I believe, who was the home plate umpire and who was just had a terrible game. And it happens. We've talked about the fact that automatic strike zones are necessary, that it's not really a robot ump, but the system that baseball is working through, the technology they have, there is no excuse for bad home plate umpiring. It's much harder than you think to be a home plate umpire and to call balls and strikes. But that said, it's much harder to type a 40-page term paper than it is to put it in your computer on a Word document. So there have been improvements that baseball should take advantage of. When Martinez went out there, he went out there to get ejected. That's why the manager didn't go out. They sacrificed the hitting coach because they were trying to make a point. And the point they were trying to make is that it was unacceptable what happened the night before. All of the statistical measurements say that that game that the Blue Jays were upset about was the least accurately called game of the entire season. The Blue Jays ended up losing that game in 12 innings. The Blue Jays are trying to hold off the Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. They're trying to catch the Yankees. Good luck with that. Every game matters. You don't want to lose the game because of umpires. But when you run a team, you know, over the course of a season, it all evens out. Let's not lose our minds over bad call. And I lost my mind over plenty of bad calls. But I was always told by Joe Torre, hey, it'll all work out in the end. Sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But that's why they sent out the hitting coach. I've never seen that happen. It was like in Slapshot when they fight before the game even starts. They drop gloves while during the national anthem. It is really not smart of the Major League Baseball to allow that. I believe there should be a suspension for Martinez. One game suspension. If I were Mike Hill, that's what I would give to the Blue Jays hitting coach. A, I don't want people showing up the umpires. B, I don't want a spectacle before the game even starts, bringing more attention to a system that we have that is totally antiquated. So a little bonus wait to see here, Coca, is that Martinez will get suspended for one game for his ejection. Okay, what else happened? Ooh. Let's do our pick of the day quickly. I cannot believe the Lightning lost to the Avalanche. The Avalanche had 13 men on the ice when they scored the game-winning goal in overtime, and somehow it was allowed. Avalanche beat the Lightning in overtime. We are 72-61. and 61. Lightning will have to win three in a row to win the cup. Did the Avalanche, there's no way Coke is going to get knowledge of this, did the Avalanche lose three in a row once all season? I like those stats. Nobody's beaten the Golden State Warriors four to five. So if you're down two to one or two zero, good luck. It'd be two zero to four to five. Three one would be three out of four. They'd have to lose three out of four. Hmm. Interesting. Have the Avalanche lost three out of four at any point during the season? Well, guess what? If you have a three-game losing streak, by definition, you lost three out of four because that means you won the game before and the game after. Unless the three-game losing streak is in the middle of a five-game losing streak, but then you don't have a three-game losing streak. Do you say when you've lost seven games in a row that you're on a five-game losing streak after the fifth game? Or aren't losing streaks only defined after they're finished? 
hey, we're in the middle of a five-game losing streak, or we had a five-game losing streak, which means we won game six. So if I ask, have the Avalanche had a three-game losing streak? If they had a four-game losing streak, that's not a three-game losing streak. Thank you. Do you know that Joe Musgrove is having the best season of any pitcher in the National League? It happens on the West Coast, so it's hard to know. He's 8-0, I think, with a 1-7 ERA. He and Sandy Alcantara of the uh, Marlins are the two best pitchers in the National League off the top of my head without looking just from watching and thinking. One of them is going to be starting the All-Star game in Los Angeles. I, w- I wonder if the Dodgers are going to say, hey, there's no way we're having a Padre start the All-Star game. Let a Marlin do it. That'll be interesting. We'll see how they do in their last couple of starts before the All-Star break. But in any case, when Joe Musgrove is going against the Phillies and all of the greatness of the managerial change has sort of waned and the Phillies realize there are a lack of defense and lack of offense and lack of pitching while they won a few games, the Padres are a better team. Padres and Joe Musgrove over the Phillies. So I want to talk about what the Cubs did. I wanted to end the show with this, Coca, because it fascinated me. I like when things fascinate me that people do. Jed Hoyer gave an interview. Do you remember when the Cubs traded Chris Bryant and Javi Baez and Anthony Rizzo last year? And Jed Hoyer, the GM, president of baseball operations, who worked under Theo, and Theo quit because he knew that, A, he wanted to be commissioner, but also he knew that the Cubs were going to be terrible. Jed Hoyer came out and said, hey, we offer these guys contracts. It will be shocking if they get paid more. Do you remember when Jed said that? Because I do. You got to be careful what you say because there's record of everything. In an interview yesterday, Jed Hoyer acknowledged that he was too stubborn with this group of guys, the guys who won the World Series in 2016. And he believes that if he had to do it again, he would have done it differently, which means he would have broken up the team after 2018. He wouldn't have let them stay together through 19 and 20. But on the other hand, when you traded them, you said that you were willing to re-sign all of them. You made offers to re-sign all of them. But then there were the players who said, huh? I don't recall seeing an offer to re-sign. Remember when Anthony Rizzo said that? You cannot tell the public that you want to re-sign one of your free agents and don't make them an offer. Now you can do what I used to do and what Derek Jeter did. You make below market offers. You know the player's going to not accept it. And you know the player's going to go somewhere else. But you get to say, hi, my name's Derek. We made an offer to Starling Marte. He just didn't take it. So don't be mad at us. At the time, there was so much pressure around the Cubs for getting rid of Baez Bryant. By the way, Baez overpaid, not producing. Rizzo overpaid, but producing for the Yankees. Bryant, where is Bryant? How long has he been out, Coca? I haven't seen Bryant's name in a box score in God knows how long. I wonder how many games Scott Boris's guy, Chris Bryant, has played for the Colorado Rockies when the Rockies, who I think are in last place in their division, made that ridiculous free agent signing, giving Bryant what they gave him, which he clearly did not deserve and will not earn. But Boris did it again. The Rockies got Boris. But for whatever reason, Hoyer had to make you believe as Cubs fans He's played 17 games 
Oh, my God. Chris Bryant has not played since May 22nd. That's over a month. He's played 17 total games this year. How happy are you, Mr. Monfort? Rockies? DBR, right, baby? Despondent beyond repair. And you know who's really upset about what happened? Scott Boris is very, very sad. Very, very sad that he got Bryant all that money and he's not performing for you. And he was the missing piece. He was going to legitimize your franchise and help you compete in the National League West. Yo! Monfort! Stop getting Borist. Anyway, back to Hoyer. So Hoyer says, hey, we made offers, but he didn't. Now he says, hey, my real mistake was not retooling earlier. We held on in order to see if this could be a dynasty. We held on because we won in 2016, and we wanted to honor their legacies as having changed the fate of baseball, being beloved Cubs fans. Cubs, right? They're beloved by Cubs fans forever. They broke the curse. No more curse. I get it. But now we're only six years later. Do you know what the Marlins were doing six years after winning the World Series in 97? Winning another World Series. Do you know what the Cubs are doing six years after winning the World Series in 2016? Stinking. Don't be emotional about your players. Don't lie about what you are offering them or not offering them. It's not worth it. And then he ended by saying the very quiet part out loud that is in the rule book and handbook of how to run a team. I can't go back in time and change, but I can certainly learn. Hmm. We like saying that, don't we? Don't we all, when we make mistakes, say, hey, I can't turn back time. I'm not sure. If I could, I would. If I could change what I said, if I could change what I did, if I could do anything, I would erase the past. How many of you say that? But then you follow it with, I know I can't, but I've learned my lesson. Does that sound familiar at all? Do you think that's what Dan Snyder and the commanders and Ron Rivera and Roger Goodell are all trying to convince the people, the public, the oversight committee? Do you think we don't all spend our time trying to convince other people that all the mistakes we've made are going to stop being made and we're going to do better going forward? And then when we don't do better going forward, we say, oh, this time I'm really going to learn. I get it now. Come on. Give me a break. We'll be back tomorrow, I promise. It's just business. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.